0: Hey, this is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that today's message will not only challenge, but encourage and inspire you to see God's purpose for you. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to talk about anger. And uh, it's a mindset thing. The big idea of this message is how we respond to anger will either align us with God's desire for restoration and repentance, or lead us into sin. Okay. When we are faced with that emotion, we have two choices. We can react. We can lash out at those that choose to, uh, that are close to us and those who we want to blame for our, our issues, or we can respond. We can take these feelings that the Lord has uh, asked us to, to, to manage and we can respond in a manner that will benefit, those, benefit us and those around us. Okay? There's two options, react or respond. Because we are created in the image of God, we experience the emotions that He experiences. That includes... Anger. Hmm. That includes anger. God does get angry at times. Have you ever read the Old Testament? He gets angry at sin. The Bible said that God is perfect in his character. That God is perfect in his character. Therefore, there is a way to exercise anger and remain holy in doing so. Think about that. If God can be perfect in his character, yet get angry, that means there is an appropriate way to be angry and still be holy. That's an interesting concept. He gets angry at times, he gets angry at sin, so we got to be careful that we exercise our anger in a proper way. We want to respond rather than to react. You're going to hear me say that a lot today. If I get anything into your head today, it's going to be the choices to respond or react. God's anger is a perfect, controlled, and measured anger. Sin is an affront to God. It offends his perfect character. When nations or individuals reject his love and goodness and persist in evil, God then becomes angry toward them. It's just just simple. When, When sin is at the forefront, God's angry with that. This doesn't make him happy. When you look at the Old Testament, especially, and then you can see the whole Old Testament is just wrapped up into the person of Jesus. Right? You can see God's emotions being played out in the Old Testament. He gets angry. He gets sad. He mourns. He rejoices. All of these emotions that you feel I find, it, I find the passage so fascinating when um, right after the Israelites do their thing in the, at the Mount Sinai and they make the idol, right? And uh, Moses goes down and he throws the tablets and there's a Donald Duck. And then he goes back up onto the mountain and God says, I am grieved in my spirit that I even, that, that I even made them. I'm going to kill them all. And then Moses, I'm going to make a new Israelite nation through your seed. Moses is like, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. If you want to kill anybody, kill me. Now, that sounds so weird to us. If, if there's any, going to be anybody killing, kill me instead. Save them. And then it says, listen to this. Weirdest passage, one of the weirdest passages. It said, God repented of his decision. What do you? What? God changes mind. Is that even possible? I don't even know. I I have no answer for you on that one. Is that even possible? But the concept is this, is that the the human emotions that you feel are absolutely the result of the imprint of God on your life. We are not instinctual creatures Like, like the animal kingdom. We have emotions. We have ability to think, to process, to uh, process our emotions, and respond. We don't, we're not animals. We don't have to react. And I do believe that some level of Darwinian thought has gone into how we live this life these days, that we're just, uh, we're just a product of our environments, we're highly evolved animals, and we react, therefore. That's not what the Word of God says. We have the ability to discipline ourselves to go against our base, sinful nature. All right, Genesis chapter 4. This is one of my favorite passages when we talk about about anger because it really shows God's feeling about our emotional state when it comes to anger. We're going to read Genesis chapter 4. Verses 1 through 10 should be up there. Yep, here we go. And the man was int- intimate with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to, to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with Lord's help. She also gave birth to her brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of the flock, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of his, the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regarded Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious. And he looked despondent. Stop for a second. Cain was furious. He's, he's like full red face Donald Duck mode. He's tossing things. He's he's all So the the question is why? Why did God regard Abel's and not Cain's? Now there's so many theories on that. There's so many theories on that. Some of the theories are that Cain brought, you know, the second because it talks about how he the uh, Abel brought the best and the fattest. So he brought, like, the leftover produce. You know, the produce that sits too long. The one they give you at the Walmart pickup because they know they got to get rid of it. And you can't pick it out yourself. Let's <laughs> give them that stuff, you know. Um, but there's no indication in Scripture that that's actually why. I think the better, I think the better reason is that this particular sacrifice had to be a blood sacrifice. So what should have happened is Cain should have gone to his brother and given some of the produce of the land in order to buy or trade for a lamb so that he could perform the sacrifice as was prescribed by God for the, for the, uh, for the saving of his sins. But it doesn't say that. Those are two theories. I don't know what the correct answer is. The the thing that matters here is not that uh, the reason why Cain's sacrifice was not accepted, but that it wasn't accepted and he responded, he reacted improperly. What is his response? What is his reaction here? God isn't fair. God's judgment is unfair. Why should Abel be uh, accepted and mine not? I'm telling you guys, it doesn't matter what. If God says something, that's the rule. You can you can kick against the goad all you want. God's still right. Well, that's unfair. Deal with it. You don't have to like it. We we were so concerned about what we should have and what we shouldn't have. Cain reacted in a way that was not good. So God kills Cain right there, comes out, lightning bolt from the sky, and Cain just falls down dead, and that's the end of the story. No, that's not the end of the story. The Lord said to Cain, he came to him, he tried to work with Cain. He said, Lord came to Cain, he said this, why are you furious? Why are you angry? Why are you reacting this way, right? And why do you look so despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desire, its desire is for you. But you must rule over it. You know what that tells me, you can rule over it. That's what it tells me. You can rule over it. Sin is waiting. It's that base nature that you have, and it's waiting just to devour you, to devour all the people that are around you. But, but God says, You can rule over it. So Cain says, Thank you, God. Appreciate that. I'm going to do it. No, he didn't say that either. <laughs> Cain said to his brother, hey, Abel, let's go out into the field. <laughs> sure, Cain. Like every, I'm a, I'm a younger brother. When your older brother says, they want to do something with you? You're like, okay, thank you. What are we going to do? We're going to go out into a field. Okay. I don't even care what we do out there as long as I'm with you, big brother. Cain's like, let's go out on the field, kid. We'll throw this ball around. You know, Cain goes out in the field and he kills his brother. Listen to this for a second. Cain kills his brother because Cain did something wrong. Listen, think about that for a second. Cain kills his brother because he did something. Abel didn't do anything wrong. There's no indication that. Well, he was a younger brother, so this might have happened. na God likes my sacrifice better. I don't know that, that Abel did that. If he did, then he's, he serves to be... No. Uh, no. I mean, but he was a younger brother, so maybe he did that. The idea is this, that there's no indication that Abel did anything wrong, yet he's the one who dies. Why? Because sin was crouching at the door of Cain's heart and he didn't rule over it. Instead of accepting responsibility for his own actions, the rage inside of him caused him not only to have sin rule his life, but he also destroyed the life of another. I know that there's people in here who have dealt with people who are abusive. And the problem is Not the problem, there's a lot of problems with that, but what I'm saying is this, is that most often the people who are abusive to other people, they're not right on the inside themselves. There's a lot of talk now in schools about bullying, and we learn more about bullying. Most bullies are incredibly insecure with their own selves. So what do they do? Instead of dealing with what's inside of them and what's inside of them, instead of ruling over this, they let let sin destroy them and other people. You must rule over it. So Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's guardian? Yes. Absolutely. You're the older brother. You are your brother's guardian. If I were to ask Winslow, what's going on with Sharon? I don't know. Am I your guardian? Yes, you are. Let me stretch it a little farther. If I was to say to Gary, what's going on with Pete? you know what's going on with Pete? He's your brother in Christ. And he's like, well, I'm not Pete's brother. You are. Am I his guardian? Yes! You actually are! Maybe you guys can get lunch together soon. Um. (laughs) So he's like, I'm down anytime for lunch. But... You see what I'm saying? That's Honestly, that's how we're supposed to know each other. We're not great at that. We're not great at that. But the answer is, yes, you are. Am I my brother's guardian? Yes. You are. You're not responsible for what they do wrong, but you are their guardian. It means you are supposed to be involved in their life. You're supposed to take care of them. You're supposed to look out for them. Those of you who've been in the faith for a long time, more so. well, I can't deal with those millennials. Let them millennial themselves away, I don't care. No, you are supposed to be a mentor to the young in the faith. Not supposed to be like, you know, judging them to the point where like, you can't associate with them. I don't want to sully my cleanliness, my holiness, by being with somebody who is just in the beginning of their, Christian walk. Did you know that sometimes they use bad language? What? You mean a non-Christian who just became a Christian isn't fully sanctified yet? Come on. I mean, come on. We are supposed to be that. we got to. We've got to. We've got to. We are, are the, we are the guardians to some extent of our brothers and sisters. Lord said to Cain, "Words Am I replied, Am I his guardian?" Then he said, and I love this, he, "What have you done? What have you, what have you done?" When God confronts Cain about his anger, He didn't tell him that he was never to feel angry. What, you got angry? In fact, I get an idea that God is angry about Cain's anger. You know why? Because he punishes him. He doesn't say he shouldn't be angry. Instead, God told him to check his actions and behaviors. Anger is a natural human reaction. But just because something feels natural doesn't mean it's good. Mark Batters says this, maybe that is why Jesus focused so much on his teaching on reconditioning our reflexes. Such such passages like this, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Counterintuitive. It goes against our nature, our natural state. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with them two miles. Look at this one. If someone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. Ah! Uh, I don't know, man. You get up that close. None of these things come naturally. They are counterintuitive. Therefore, thus, they make us measure, they take a the measure of strength and discipline. And let us not forget the power of the Holy Spirit to rewire us to respond rather than to to respond rather than to react. Triggered. You ever heard that word late recently? Oh, my gosh. We hear a lot about being triggered these days. Someone did something that triggered somebody. Someone said a word that triggered or offended somebody. Our society today lives on a hair trigger. Everyone is triggered by everything. Therefore, we all need to stop saying or doing anything that might possibly offend or trigger anyone else at any time. Ever. Or else. They'll cancel you. It's true. We're on pins and needles in our society these days. We're on pins and needles because everybody's so quick to be offended. And angered, we're just right there. We're right at the edge, and our heads are about to explode. We're at, we're at Donald Duck level all the time. Somebody says something on Facebook that we don't agree with. Bro, I'm going to type. And then everybody's going to reply back. <gasps> And then I have to reply to that, and after four hours have gone by, you've been completely unproductive in the day. And guess what? Nobody changed their mind. Nobody! In fact, everybody's just dug their heels in and become just a little bit more angry. James 1, 19 to 20 says this, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, interestingly enough, it says the anger of men, right? It doesn't say you can't be angry. It just says man's type of anger is not going to produce God's righteousness. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says this, Don't let your spirit rush to be angry, for anger abides in the heart of fools. That's basically Facebook. I'm just saying. Simple anger is no place in the lives of believers. When we allow our anger to rule us, we give Satan a foothold in our lives and we grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Wouldn't it be great if Cain had read that verse? Oh, wait, God actually spoke to him. That's probably better. Probably the same, actually. Right? Give no opportunity for the devil. We've got to learn to respond not react instead we are called to put sin to death and rid ourselves of ungodly behaviors colossians 3 but now you must put them all away anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth well god doesn't care about my vocabulary Colossians 3.8. He actually does. You think God cares that I drop swear once in a while? Is it a salvation issue? No. Is it a sanctification issue? Absolutely. This doesn't mean that all anger is wrong. Godly anger, righteous indignation, does have a place within the life of a Christian. However, We must continually check our motivation and intent when we become angered towards sin or injustice. Here's the thing. You have to decide whether it's time to turn the cheek or turn the table. Jesus talked about both those. Right? Jesus, in his person, turned the cheek. Remember when he he got slugged right before his crucifixion? Remember that? Said he didn't even open his mouth. He turned the other cheek. But there was a day where he turned some tables. And we have to decipher what the motives are. Is it it about righteousness or is it about our own pride being hurt? And that's that's what we have to decipher. Okay? We must take our thoughts, what? Captive by asking ourselves, how does or doesn't the situation align with the righteousness of God? Putting off anger doesn't mean burying our emotions either. God gave us the ability to feel anger for a reason. And there are times when we morally need to flip the tables. But I just want to caution you on this. People love to bring this up. I've even brought this up. When I got when I've been I've been nailed for something, you know. Well, Jesus did it. He's here for 33 years. There's like one or two passages. There's like two passages in Scripture. Many people think that they're the same event, not multiple encounters, where Jesus flips tables. This shouldn't be our. Let's just this shouldn't be our go to. There's very rare moments in our entire lives where we need to be flipping tables. And it's not because you lost in Monopoly. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Stupid game. Right before somebody else beats you. You know they're going to beat you. And you have to end the game prematurely because you can't have that loss on your record. But I'm just saying, folks, yes, there are times for righteous indignation. There's time to turn the tables instead of turning the cheek. But, man, that's not our, that was never Jesus' go-to, and it shouldn't be ours. It's very rare, and it should be used sparingly and only for the right motives, not because your feelings got hurt, not because your pride was injured, only because of righteousness. Not your righteousness, God's. God gave us the ability to feel anger for a reason. And there are times when we are morally and spiritually wrong not to become angry. It would be morally and spiritually wrong not to become angry by a situation. When we see and experience injustice, godly anger can spur us to make positive changes. Right? Right? There's a story, I've been reading a book about, the, uh, about John Adams. And John Adams was a remarkable human being. Not just because he was one of the founders of the nation. He was, just a, he was a remarkable, he was very intelligent, very um, eloquent. But John Adams had one flaw that we know of. And the guy had a hair trigger. He, he could say the right thing, but he was so off-putting to some people that no matter what he said, they wouldn't listen. He almost brought the Constitutional Convention to a halt multiple times because people were just so fed up with him. And he even will say that I was a, I'm a vain human being. And I... When I, when I say things, I need to say them in the right way, and I need to say... He, listen, this is a founding father of our nation. In fact, some people believe um, John Adams and Abigail Adams never owned any slaves. Never. And they were very, very against slavery. And he pushed so hard during the Constitutional Convention to have slavery abolished from the nation right from the beginning, but he was so bad and arrogant and got so angry that he couldn't get his point across if he had been able to speak and and, and control his anger we may have been in a completely different space right now in our country interesting that flaw affected may have affected thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of people because he couldn't keep it in check i'm just saying folks our anger is not a bad thing the way we deal with our anger is life and death to the people that are around us. And it's something that I've been working on, been reading a lot of books over the last two or three years. Because I've been known, I don't know, you know, to have a little bit of a hot side. It's part of my and you can and sometimes I like, well I'm just a passionate guy. Deal with it. If you like the passion on Sunday, deal with the anger on Friday. Now, that's not a good excuse. It's not. We all need to deal with this in our own way. I would say that some people are hair triggers, and other people are repressors. Both are unhealthy. Both are unhealthy. If you're one of those people who just take anger and you repress it, or you don't ever uh, deal with it, that's not healthy either. You know what that's called? That's called taking a bottle of soda and shaking it up. Shaking it up. Keep going. Come on. For years and years and years. And all of a sudden, somebody finally, somebody finally just twists that cap. They didn't even know what was coming. They didn't know. I had a moment like that when I was a little kid. I don't know. I can be a little vain when i was a little kid i was very vain in fact like i spent way too long in the mirror like my sister the girl was out of the house and i was still so one day i was I, it was picture day picture day and uh, i went to school looking all fine and my teacher was just joking. And he said something like this. He said something like, hey, quote him with Wow, everybody looks great for picture day. Except Sankster, looks like he combed his hair with an egg beater. <laughs> I lost it. I was freaking out crying and ran to the bathroom. <laughs> so vain. And the guy came in, he's like, Dave, what is wrong? I'm like, I didn't know. It was just that, that bottlehead. He wasn't shaking up. And he just, he didn't even know what he was getting himself into. He just. Poof, poof. Repression is not a good thing either. Got to be careful. We can rule over it. We can. And the cool thing about being on this side of the cross is that we have the Holy Spirit to help us with that. If we, but He's never going to impose Himself on places we don't want Him to be. He never will. He, I've always talked to him. The Holy Spirit is an indwelling spirit, not a possessing spirit. So he's not going to, if you want to block him out, he won't go there. With, he, won't go, he won't fight his way through. He's going to allow you to in, in, invite him into the spaces of your life that you need work on. So, so the, what does anger do? Holy anger can help us in positive ways. We can come to, to form a recognition and repenting of our belief or behavior. In our own lives, it can result in us coming alongside others who are being wronged by encouraging them in the faith and working together to create positive change. Or it can be made evident in our peaceful rejection of anything that is contrary to God's word and in our spirit-empowered determination to show the world that there is a better way. I would say the best thing you can do with your anger is not to give into it, but let it motivate you. Right? I am not. I am not going to cross this line of the sand. This is evil. I will not go. And no matter what you do, you will not get me across that line. Romans 12, 17. If you have your Bibles there, you can, I'll give you a second to open to it. Romans 12, 17 talks about how we ought to deal with anger in a relational way. How many people have been sitting by themselves, completely at peace, and all of a sudden, they're angry? It's Not usually what happens. We get angry because we rub up against other people. It's a social thing, typically. And even if you are by yourself, and you find yourself getting angry, it's because you're thinking about something that somebody did. Right? So how do we deal with our anger in a social construct? Romans 12, 17 says this. Do not repay evil for evil. Give careful thought. That's the same as, that's, that's the same as synonym for respond, right? Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as, uh, as, far as it depends on you, live at peace with how many? All. My translation, live at peace with everyone. But, Pastor, come on. I cannot live at peace with that person. They are so politically wrong. They're wrong. I don't care. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that they, you know, if you can, if you can get them to be politically on your side, then, then, then live at peace with them what it says But pastor they're not good to me. Doesn't really talk about that. It says as much as it is on you, as much as you can. What does it say? will read it so I don't get it wrong. If possible, as far as it depends on you. I am not you're not you're not your brother's keeper. You can't make them do certain things, but what you can do is take care of this. So as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. 19. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is is written, Vengeance belongs to me, and I will repay, says the Lord. But, listen to this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Enemy. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For so, for in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. What is that? What is that? What, is, what does that mean? Ha ha ha! You drank the drink I gave you. You got fiery coals. No, it just means that when you do something good to someone who Done something bad to you, they're gonna feel that. They're gonna feel that like, oh man. I I didn't. What's that, what's that all about? Maybe the fiery cold purification, because they might say, what what's different about this person? I treated them like garbage, and they treated me well. What do I do I do with that now? That may be the invitation that they need to come to Christ. So feed them. Give them something to drink. Do not be conquered by evil. Can we harken back to Genesis here? Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Don't. I repeat, don't. We can't allow ourselves to live on a hair trigger. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the people around you. Ask God to help you to respond rather than to react. Remember, sin is crouching at your door. It desires for you, but you must rule over it. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word today, to think about our thoughts, (laughs) to think about the way we think our thoughts. Lord, I pray that we would not give in to our base sinful nature just because it feels natural. But Lord, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would live in the supernatural, the place where we can overcome evil with good, where we can take charge of our base nature, where we can live at a higher place. And in so doing, Lord, show the world who you are to bring glory to the Father which is in heaven. Lord, I pray in the name of Christ that you would just give us a special outpouring of your spirit so that we can live in this life the way you want us to. So that sin would have no more reign in our mortal bodies. That our lives would glorify you in everything that we do. Lord, help us with our anger. Our society is full of trigger points. Lord, help us to to build boundaries where boundaries are necessary so that we don't get confronted with those triggers all the time. And Lord, give us the grace that when we step on one, it doesn't blow up in our face. Lord, give us the ability through your Holy Spirit to treat people well and to control our anger so that we might live in peace with God and man. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, empower them by your spirit this week as they go about their daily lives, Monday, Tuesday, all the way through, in their workplaces, in their homes, with their families. God, I just pray that you would continue the work that you're starting today in us through the reading of your word and integrate it into our daily life. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless. Have a great week. We love you guys.